Welcome to Rex Factor. This week, Edric. With your host, Graham Duke and Ali. Welcome to another Rex Factor. Now, this week, um, even if I'd done my research, I don't think I'd have turned up anything. <laughs> I've never, ever heard of this chap. Where we were debating whether he's Edred or Edred. Edred. Or Enid, even. Because he's, uh, he's pronounced, he's spelt E-A sometimes. Sometimes E-D. So we're going for Edred. Mm. So do correct us if we're wrong. RexFactorPodcast.com. Um, what but, does he look like? Well, kingly. I mean, this this is clearly the the idea of a a king is really cemented now because they've they've had quite consistently had crowns. The idea of a king of in Britain or England, but he has what I can only describe as a bloody football in his it's hand. Sort of. I mean, could it be like a crystal? No, it couldn't be a crystal ball. Is that's... it a bandage? It looks. Has he got his hand in it? Yeah, I think so. Could I think it be it's... a helmet. Yeah, I think anyway, it looks good for battliness. Yeah, he's got a bit of blood then. Yeah, uh, and some very strange uh, HMS pinafore trousers. Sort of pantaloons, almost. Yeah. yeah, very odd. Yeah. Anyway, King Edred is our subject this week. Where we're up to at the moment, um, 946 AD, he becomes king. And this is after all the glorious stuff done by Alfred, Edward the Elder, and Athelstan. We then had Edmund I last time, who did quite well but got killed by a notorious thief. Looked to carry it on, but didn't have enough time. He didn't quite manage to do it. So Edred comes in, and because Edmund's children are babies, Edred takes over as king. And so he's the second of the six boy kings that we have in a row. Edward, uh, Ed, Ed, hang on, Athelstan's kids. No, because he didn't have any kids. So Athelstan's their brother. Yeah, so these are nephews of Athelstan at the moment. So we've still got the children of Edward the Elder at the moment. Okay, right. Um, However, Edred is actually the oldest of the boy kings, so he's actually 23 when he comes to the throne. He's the eldest, but he's not older than Athelstan. No, he's the oldest. There are six... So Edmund I was the first who is dubbed a boy king. Mm. So Edmund and then the next five are all dubbed boy kings. But he's younger than that chap. So Edward was younger than Edmund. But when he comes to the throne, throne, he's older. So 23, he's not really a boy, but I think just for the convenience of being able to say it's six rather than one, a gap, and then five, (laughs) he gets lumped in with the rest of them. Um, And I found this great site which tells you the relation of every monarch to Elizabeth. I thought I'd add this. Yeah, okay, that's pretty good. So Edred is the 30th great-grand-uncle of Elizabeth II. 30th? 30th great-grand-uncle. So 30 times removed? Uh, well, How does that work? I don't understand that I works. Understand it, it's amazing. It, it looks like it makes sense. The numbers <laughs> yeah. get smaller with each one, and it Good. works out in the end to okay. Dad. So, follow, just quickly, follow up on Edmund I, a couple of things which uh, my mother researched, having listened to it. You might remember that Watling Street got mentioned, because yeah. at the start of his reign, yeah. it got split either side of Watling mm. Street, and I thought it was an odd thing, because it's a tiny little street that they decided... Actually, it's a road, and it's a huge road, which was a, an old Roman one, which sort of went from London to Shrewsbury, pretty much. Right. And uh, Boudicca fought a battle on one of its bits oh, against right. the Romans, and it's now pretty much uh, the A2. 
<laughs> so it's still there. Okay. So either side Brilliant. of the A2, that's where Edinburgh's yeah. kingdom got shrunk to at one stage. Until so, we got it all back again. Maybe we should do a um, Rex Factor field trip. Sod the Great Wall of China. Just A2. Start the A2, yeah. yeah. Maybe a bit of Shropshire Grand Union Canal. That'd be Indeed. nice. That'd be lovely. Yeah. And the second thing was Dunstan's Magic Harp. If you remember, it said that it was this thing which got played by the wind. Mm. Uh, and this does exist. It's called the Aeolio... A- uh, I can't even pronounce that. The Wind Harp, as in the Aeolus, who is the god of the wind. Okay. So you place it slightly near an open window so that the wind sort of blows across is the Is that a wind chime? No. <laughs> okay. I've got nothing more but it's to say. But yeah, so the sound's random depending right. on what the wind does, mm. depending on how it hits, because it's strings rather than just holes. Oh, uh, okay. So it brushes them and makes a sound, so it can be a quiet hum or a piercing shriek. That's awful. Single notes cause. Yeah, it does sound a bit weird, but uh, apt for the mad monk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do drive you mad. Wind chimes and the like, just want to tie them up. Yeah. Mm. So. A bit of opinion coming in there. <laughs> which is the, the right place for it. So, biography of Edward then. So, the story of his reign, in sum, is um, poor digestion and the last hurrah. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> poor chap. He gets known for his IBS over his battles. Yeah. Right. Um, he, so, he's born in 93, the son of Edward the Elder and Eid Gifu. So, he's the final son of Edward that becomes king, mm-hmm. ne- uh, brother of Edmund I. And uh, again, he's not disputed when he comes in, he takes on the crown. There's no uh, problem with that. But apparently the crowning of him was another one of these big steps towards a properly recognised kingship. Because he said before about how they now had a crown and Afghanistan had put a lot of things in place. But this is the first time where there's a national election, because kings are still officially elected by the the Wheatan. But this one's got British, Danish, English people. They're all there and they all acknowledge him, rather than just like the Archbishop of Canterbury or Winchester or whatever putting a crown on his head. Everybody's there and says, yes, he is king. Right. But there's a Christian element to it. Yeah, oh yeah, still very much Christian element. And it is assumed that it's going to follow the family. Yes. Because they're just presumably the most powerful family as opposed to being in law that will go through the... Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. And this is um, Dunstan, as we call the man with the harp, the man who's kind of a main minister to Edmund. Right. And he sort of masterminds this, this big thing of saying, well, we've got this great coronation where... Archbishop of Madness. Yeah, where right. everybody says, yes, he is definitely king. Okay. So he's king, all's good, and there's a lot of continuity from Edmund, so Dunstan's still there, Eidgifu, who's his mother, and was quite prominent under Edmund, she's still there doing lots of stuff. The Archbishop Oda, or Odo, mm. who's the Severe. Oh yeah, I know him. Yeah. Did we talk about him? We did, he was nicknamed the Severe. He's the Archbishop yeah. of Canterbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's still there, and these are all important figures under Edmund, and they're important figures under Edward as well. Do you think he was the inspiration for the baby-eating Bishop of Bath and Wells? Maybe he was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good uh, point. <laughs> that's my history comes exclusively from Canada. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a good place to get it. So, but Dunstan's his closest advisor, and they have quite a strong relationship. So he's second. is that a scandal? Um, no, I don't think. We'll we'll get on to that okay. sort of thing. But he's second witness for lots of the charters that they do, where they grant land and privileges and stuff, and ultimately ends up kind of being almost the first witness. So he's actually witnessing charters in place of the king. Oh right, so, so Dunstan's yeah, very really powerful at this stage, and he looks after the treasure. So he's treasure. he's the um, Cromwell to yeah the sort of the Thomas Cromwell of uh, Henry yeah of okay. those times. So unfortunately for Edred, he has a bit of a problem. As I said, poor digestion was the first thing that I mentioned. Um, it's pointed out by someone who I've quoted. I can't remember who it was. That um, the House of Alfred was already showing signs of physical degeneracy 
which was um, to show itself in quite a number of the people that come after this point. But not many of the people we've done have been particularly long-lasting. So I think Edward's the only one that made it into his 50s. Remember, Athelstan could have been a bit longer. Obviously, Edmund got killed by a thief, so he's a bit unlucky. But what? What? what, what why? Well, it's, it's not really sure. Maybe they're just something in the genes. As right. you see from Edred and from quite a number of the others, long life isn't a trend. But it seems to... It's quite early, so it's not like... It's, it's quite a healthy gene pool, isn't it? There's lots of it. Lots of, lots of different families warring and... Yeah. It's marrying. It's not, it's not thousands of years' worth of <laughs> frisky business. No, I mean, I suppose... Because they're having... This is the thing, that You think we're onto the third child of Edward the Elder... And he had a lot of children. That's why they really needed to have all those children, because all the battles and then yeah. all the children not living all that yeah. long. So you need lots of people. But Edred appears to have had it particularly badly. So apparently he was unable to swallow his food. <laughs> and he was reduced to sucking the juice out of it and spitting what remained back onto the plate. Wow. Which apparently was a nasty practice that turned the stomachs of the thanes who dined with him. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's not too healthy. And apparently that he may also have been slightly disabled as well, because according to uh, Herman of Berry, who was an 11th century writer, he suffered from a weakness of the feet. So he also was given the epithet debilis pedibus, the weak in the feet. God, he sounds like you wouldn't want him at a party. No, so he's got a bit of a limp. Spitting all over the place. Well, the limp's all right. But, yeah. yeah, bit of comedy value. <laughs> yeah. Bit of slapstick for the food. Just... Oh, yeah, it's crossed the line. Yeah. So he's not the healthiest person in the world. Not mm. a very strong-bodied chap. Yeah. He needs boots. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, the main thing for him, other than managing his own digestive functions, is the north, mm. which, as remember, was a little bit of trouble for uh, Edmund. But he got it back. Not a he did get it back. He did indeed. But the north hasn't quite accepted that it is subject to the south. <laughs> hasn't quite acknowledged the natural order of these things um, so yes yeah, so there's a bit of an independence complex they've got so um, Michael Wood was pointing out how it's still quite different up there so like the Norse kings in Northumbria because they still have sub-kings yeah there, so the kings who owe their allegiance to the th- this is this isn't just um, because things are ruled from the south so much because you can the court can carry move around yeah it's, it's it's endemic. There's there's different culture going on. Yeah, and the North very much still has its own culture. So they've got their own coins, their own kings, right. their own literature, and York. Their own coins. Yeah, they do do their own. Because they've got their own sub kings, well. right? Yeah. yeah. And York was kind of the centre where you've got the Scandinavian people in Dublin, people in Norway. Mm. Quite a big melting pot in terms of races and culture and all this sort of thing. And they haven't really accepted that the Saxons in the South are the people who are in control. So, oh, so York is, it's a shortcut yeah. across to Scandinavia. And, you, and to Ireland. And to Ireland. So, yeah. you get, that's so it's got a bit of a, an axis yeah. going along there. So it's London the wasn't just the centre as it is now, then you've got... Oh. Oh, that's, uh, a different power basis. Yeah. And for the South, they struggle, really, to bring the North to heel. Yeah. So, as Michael Wood was saying, to the South Eng- Southern English, they were treacherous, stubborn, violent and rebellious... Their accent was uncouth and incomprehensible to the southerners. They also drank too much. If you were travelling there, it was best to rise in a party and take guys and escorts from one border to the next. Apparently it's bad in Saxon times as well. <laughs> boom, Ooh. boom. Oh, and key to this is a chap called Wolfstan, who we did mention last week, who's an archbishop of York. 
So he'd been instrumental in that rebellion against Edmund I at the start and getting the deal mm. where they got a bit of independence. And he's always looking for an excuse to create an independent kingdom up the north. And the other fellow didn't see it fit to chop his head off? No, well, they sort of, they agreed to keep it split and then Edmund took the bits back. But no, he's still allowed to be there. But he's a bit of a troublesome character. Yeah, and as we'll say, as soon as he gets an opportunity, which comes from a very unlikely source, he takes it. What's the source? The source is perhaps the most famous Viking on British source. I know, shores. I know the chap. Give him his name. Bloodaxe. Is Eric. it? Well, blood, yeah, Bloodaxe. Yeah, yeah, Eric yeah. Bloodaxe. Um, who is a pagan, obviously, so not necessarily the most natural ally for an archbishop. Mm. And he's a very colourful character. So he's what would sort of red be, mostly. Uh, mm. Well, indeed. So he's what would be described as a berserker. Oh, he sounds awesome. Yeah, because you know, formerly for the Vikings, particularly when they first started invading England, sort of ninth century, there would be these people who I'm, I'm not sure if they took some kind of mind-altering substance, but they built themselves up into a psychotic rage face went red and then they just run off screaming and just kill everything in their path and they were the berserker warriors they were sent off in the battlefield first to encourage mm. yeah so they just leave from the front and that's generally a little bit out of fashion now but Eric's still very much sort of holding to this crazy warrior type and there's this great website which says that he comes across something like a Monty Python character sort of lost as this sort of historical fantasy and he probably would have been a bit of an embarrassment for people. And as it says, you couldn't take him to meetings. <laughs> so, so, so that was out of fashion in the time? Yeah, Vikings aren't really this crazed... Um, they started to settle in... They're settling. So they've been in England now for almost 200 years, well, 150 and years. And northern France. And France and Ireland. So they're all over the place. So although they still have some so fighting... In, invading they do in England Athelstan and people have kept them at bay yeah. so they're really they're, they're settled so if he was today it would be like David Cameron joining the sealed Knot society or something and <laughs> yeah. running off with a pike <laughs> into battle okay. but Eric the, yeah, Eric the Viking he's a bit different hard to be exacting on his biography before he comes to England because lots of the Viking stuff was done in sagas so these very colourful sort of poems and stories mm. that are written about the great heroes so it's hard to know what's fact what's fiction but definite stuff, he's a son of Harold Fairhair, who was a friend of Athelstan. Did we talk about him as well? We did a little bit, because yeah. Athelstan was friends with him. And he succeeded him as King of Norway by killing two of his brothers, mm. which is how he came to be known as Bloodaxe, because he took it to his brothers. Right. But he wasn't very popular, he was very harsh, um, bad taxes, very unpopular ruler. So his younger brother, Hakan, who was raised at Athelstan's court, got brought over and they kicked Eric out. Is that it? That's the end of Eric? No, no, he's kicked down to Norway. Oh, right, okay. So he goes off on his travels. Apparently he might have come to Orkney. Right. Where, not too surprisingly, they suggest maybe he might want to go somewhere else. <laughs> There's a place up there called yeah. Northumbria in York that you might want to visit. Apparently they have kings and stuff there. So up he goes, and then 948, Wolfstan thinks, great, we've got a Viking, he's powerful, he's king, he's got lots of money. He can be our king. So having sworn their loyalty to Edred in 947, in 948, they acknowledge Eric... The blood axe as king of York. Hold the phone. Right. Hold it. What is going on? Eric Bloodaxe has just wandered in to York. And his only qualification being he was a king elsewhere. Yeah. And he's well, like it's a CV. Powerful. 
Well, pretty much, yeah. Surely there was someone else in York who said, I'll do it. Well, I suppose what you've got in York, because we said about that sort of axis with York, where it's kind of a link between Dublin and Norway. Yeah. And he's a king there. I mean, he's a king. But he's been kicked out. He's no longer a king. Kicked out of Norway, but he's still a royal personage. Right. So he's still... He would have been known in York before. Yeah, he's this powerful royal figure with lots of prestige to him and power. Yeah. And Wolfstan thinks, hey, he's someone that could be king in York and actually properly get us independence away from the Saxons down south. Fair enough. Now, how do you think this is going to happen now? We've got Edred, this king who can't swallow his food and can't really walk very well, against Eric the Bloodaxe. What's going to happen? Well, money's on Bloodaxe. The thing we have to bring in at this point is that Edred has something of a temper on him. He's not a berserker, though. He's not a berserker, but he's not at the same time an awfully long way away from it. Hmm. He... Does not. I presume it might be linked to the fact that he's got this thing where he can't swallow his food. It made him a bit grumpy. So basically, any time anyone does anything against Edred or he doesn't get his own way, he just goes mad and pretty much threatens to kill everyone that he comes across until he gets his way. That's more of a tantrum than a... But still, yeah, I mean, fine. Yeah, it's not to say he doesn't build himself up in one moment and do it himself, but he yeah. builds an army and oh, right, okay, storms yeah. off. So he's not very impressed by this. So what he does is he raises an army, goes up north, terrorising all these towns in Northumbria that are obviously have declared Eric as a ruler, does a whole bunch of damage, and basically gets to the point where he thinks, point proven, they know who's boss now, back we go, sorted. But of course he's dealing with Eric the Bloodaxe, who isn't the most logical of people, and for whom such a demonstration of power maybe was a bit too subtle for him to have got the point. So while Edward's army is going back... Eric pops up, ambushes the sort of the rear vanguard, because they're all in different sections, but they yeah. go back, and um, has a fight with him at uh, Castleford, which is known as Battle of Castleford, and, yeah, defeats this rear section of Edred's army, really slaughters them. And then the survivors sort of limp back to Edred and say, oh, we just got <laughs> he says, Don't take the mickey! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Off with your head. Yeah. Um, so that's... So it's like two, two very similar characters... In a They're way, not yeah. give in. No. Right. Very, very stubborn. Um, obviously then, Edred finds out that whilst he's coming back from having taught them a lesson, that they've been fought him at, at his, uh, his rear guard. Yeah, so he then literally says, I will commit slaughter throughout Northumbria unless you ditch Eric the Viking. So a sign of how uh, sturdy his meaning is and how strong-willed he is Northumbrians think probably would actually <laughs> so they kick out Eric the Viking oh really yeah so that's Eric sent off uh, into exile and um, this yeah. guy can't catch a break can he he's better off than the Orkneys yeah so um, they shower Edward with um, compensatory gifts say sorry for the whole Eric the blood axe <laughs> thing and uh, Eric goes off into exile so 948952 we're not quite sure what he does he's sort of the wilderness years a la Churchill so he possibly became a bit of a pirate um, trading slaves around Ireland, Hebrides, Wales. This is a film waiting to happen, this guy. Apparently he even went to Spain on his <laughs> adventures. So he goes off all around Europe. Kick, being kicked out left, right and centre. Kicked out left, right and centre, pillaging. But 952, he's obviously getting a bit twitchy, so he comes back. And Wolfstan, who obviously, I guess, isn't too happy that the last few years they've been back under Saxon rule, brings him back. 
So once again... This guy's an idiot. Once again in York, Eric is pronounced king. And Edward again, a little bit exasperated. So you were saying about whether they should have taken Wolfstan's head off. Yeah. What happens is that the next time he comes down south, he gets arrested. And he's incarcerated at Ithan Kaistir, which is now Bradwell-upon-Sea. Yeah. And he's locked up at St. Peter-on-the-Wall. Really? Which was where you I were just weekend. the other day, yeah. Yeah. And what is it? Well, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fantastic. One of the oldest working churches, or one of the oldest churches still holding services in in the country, or is it the oldest? Dating from about 650? Yeah. 654, I think. It's still there. Go to Bradwell. Yeah. Yeah, really impressive place. Very, very remote. Very peaceful. Mm. On the, but it was on the edge of a Saxon fort, so you can see mm. why I was locked up there. Yeah. yeah. So why, why, why did he come back? I think he was just. I mean, I don't think he came all the way back to Bradwell. I think he just sort of came down south on business. He went over the A two. Yeah, he crossed <laughs> there. He crossed the line. The A two. That's that right. It. We've got him. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> Highway patrol. Picked well, him they up. didn't say that when I was there. That would have made it much better. Yeah. So he, he's he's uh, locked up there, but Eric's ruling alone now as king, and he really properly tries to set himself up as king. So he goes to visit the shrine of St Cuthbert uh, in Durham, starts minting his own properly distinctive coins in York. Mm. And he's now, yeah, he's king. Getting rid of that coin issue, so he's... Yeah. Right. However, the problem with him is that not only has he irritated Edred, but as we've seen, he tends to get kicked out of everywhere he goes. So he's annoyed the Scots, other people in Northumbria... People in Ireland, lots of people are out to get Eric the Viking. Mm. Not Eric the Viking, that's a story by Terry Jones. Eric the Blood Axe. <laughs> yeah. So there's a rebellion against him in 954, and there's a battle at Stainmore. And he's betrayed, apparently, by someone called Earl Oswulf, who's the Earl of Bamber, and killed by Earl Maccus. So his last stand, he gets killed uh, on the edge of his kingdom, thrown out. And that's now it for kings in York because the Saxons weren't actually there they weren't even in this battle but what Edred does is he goes along mops up the remains as it were and says no no more kings now he creates an earldom there so instead of having sub-kings in York he's now just an earl who's entirely subservient to Edred but is that just semantic <coughs> because presumably the sub-king was, was subservient well he was meant to be subservient but he was a king and he had a certain amount of power whereas now Edred has put sort of his own system in place okay. So he's taken away the royal aspect, he's taken away the king aspect, and just said, no, it's just a bit of land, and this is my man mm. in charge there. Mm. So that's the last time there's ever a king in the north. Oh, right. Okay. And as I said, the uh, history of the ancient Northumbrians, um, it rounds off by saying, ever since Northumbrians have been mourning their lost liberty. Well, really? I think they still do. <laughs> yeah, but is it... Was it that different? I just struggle with that. I mean, it's... Um, it's the thing that's hard to get our head around, yeah. but it was... It really would have been very different. It was... Even for all the dominance of Athelstan, it's such a Viking yeah. stronghold, or a Norwegian, Danish, whatever you want to call it, stronghold. And with the Irish thing, it must be <clears> such an interesting place. Yeah. So, anyway, but that's it. No more kings now um, in York, or Northumbria, and it's all properly subject to Edred again. Right. So that's all nice and peaceful for Edred, but unfortunately for him, as with Edmund, he dies pretty much at the height of his powers once he solved all of his problems. Yeah. His, um, his poor old body gives up, yeah. and he 
That's all over your cheek. Yeah, but so he's very powerful as he dies. So he's styling himself now not just king of the Anglo-Saxons, but Caesar of the whole of Britain. Caesar? Yeah, you can call him Caesar on some things. Caesar mm. of, the, of all Britain. So he's got complete dominance, but... What year is this going? Dies. He, well, he now dies in 955. And Charlemagne was nine... Uh, well, he's earlier than that. I think he was eight something, or even oh, seven really? something. Yeah, eighth or early ninth century, I think, Charlemagne. I'm just trying to think of this Roman influence. It's good. I can't... It was, this word Caesar surprised me. Yeah, it is. I'm not sure why that's there. It's the only one I think who does seem to refer to himself as that. But then you think things would have been written in Latin. Yeah. So maybe yeah. it was a, a natural way of yeah. the term that meant emperor. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, so that's it for uh, poor old Edward. He's dead. And as uh, Michael Wood said, he died at 32 in agony from rotten teeth and mouth abscesses. God. Which makes you reflect how awful it would have been. I mean, we, we this isn't what we count in subjectivity, but it would have been horrible to have been alive. As oh, just kill me! Just, just a, to- a toothache. You couldn't, you couldn't do anything about that. No, it could, it could get infected. You'd definitely drink so much just to numb the pain. And it has to be alcohol because the water's poisonous. Yeah, food's dodgy. Um, in my mind, the food is awful. I think so. But I mean, you know, maybe they work wonders with what they could do. I mean, I'm sure they, but yeah. But I don't know. I'm just thinking, gruel. I've just been watching too many of Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maid Marian and her merry men. Yeah. Eating mud. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for Edred. Um, no more biography. He's dead in 955. Uh, move on to the review. Right. Battleiness. Well, it's a mixed bag. It's an odd thing, because on the one hand, he kind of defeats Eric the Bloodaxe, in a way, but at the same time, he only really kind of takes one trip up, doesn't he, fight him in a proper battle, Eric does a bit of damage, and then that's it. That's and he gets, he his uh, rear vanguard, oh no, his rear guard gets destroyed. Yeah. And then the Battle of Staymore, where Eric gets taken out, Edward isn't actually there, the Saxons aren't present, it's the biggest, it's the big battle, but... No I think it's politically quite clever though because he, by the end he's got rid of it uh, as the a whole idea of a king is an option and you know if you defeat your enemy without ever yeah. facing them in battle that's pretty, pretty It is good. and so the reason that he didn't have to fight him in battle was because he did such a lot of uh, damage when he took his army north in the first place mm. that he scared them into getting rid of Eric mm. and then as you say once, he's, once Eric came back he didn't actually have to do the job himself somebody else did it for him Who's the guy who wrote um, uh, The Art of War? Oh, God, that was a Chinese chappy, wasn't he? Because yeah. Yeah. he says the greatest victory is one where both your and your enemy's resources aren't at all depleted. Yeah. So he's kind of done that. He has in a way, yeah. But I, don't, I still don't want to give him a good load of points because I'm wanting victory raising yeah. a sword up at the end <laughs> and screaming and yeah. Braveheart stuff because the thing is that at the end of his reign he really isn't very well at all so that's why sort of 953 to 955 it's really Dunstan who's doing all the charters and stuff so the king probably isn't really very active at this point mm. so he isn't probably capable of actually going out to fight a battle mm. against him because he's so ill and mm. decrepit so he's clearly strong and he's clearly able to you know do things with his army when needs be but he didn't do an awful lot. Yeah. I and right, this is out of ten, I'm I'd want to give him five though, because it was yeah. impressive. I it's tricky. because uh, as you said, you know, this is Eric the Blood Axe. Yeah. And he saw him off. Mm. 
But just not on a... <clears throat> oh, I'm conflicted. I am going to give him four and a half. I think it's just it, good stuff, but he didn't quite do enough. And I can't even remember the name of that battle. Fivefield? Uh, which one? The, well, the one he lost or the one he won? Yeah, the one he lost. Castleford. But as I say, Castleford. he wasn't actually in that battle. And he wasn't in his whole army. Mm-hmm. Four. Four, so that's eight and a half of battliness. It's our lowest score yet, but you know, you've got to mm. fight a battle to win a battle, as they say. Scandal. Right. In terms of the juicy stuff, it's probably fair to say that he probably wasn't quite up to it. <laughs> I'm not suggesting anything about his ability to function as such, but when you it's can't not even, an attractive sight. If you can't swallow your food, you're doing pretty well to persuade a girl to consider it, let yeah. alone have the energy to yeah. go through. Do you want to go for dinner? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. there's none of that. However, he does. He has a bit of notoriety because, as I say, when he went up to Northumbria that first time, he does do a lot of damage and he properly lays waste to a lot of the town. So he's burning places. Um, getting rid of summer harvests, raising fortifications, doing a bit of slaughter. And particularly notorious was that he burnt down this sort of sacred minister at Ripon, or Ripon, if they pronounce that. Ripon. Ripon, mm. which was this considered a very holy place that was set up by St. Wilfrid. Mm. And he properly destroys that. And uh, Oda, his severe Archbishop yeah. of Canterbury, steals the bones of St. Wilfrid, oh, takes them back down south. Honestly, always going after bones. Yeah. Oh, he's dead already. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's not terribly popular in Northumbria. And after that, in 952, apparently, I'm not sure why, there was, I think, something like an abbot was murdered in a place called by people in a town called Thetford. So he ordered the slaughter upon the whole town. Thetford in Suffolk? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently he slaughters the town because they kill a bishop, the man and abbot, which is a bit, you know, a bit notorious. Yeah, a dodgy thing to do. Uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. So this is a temper, basically. That's yeah. his scandal: is that he goes proper mad when people displease him. It's not. It's one type of scandal, mm. and although it is large-scale murder, <laughs> yes. it's not quite Thomas Beckett with the sort of newspaper headlines you'd expect no it's not it, you know and, where, and there's not much relationship style scandal no I mean mm. you know the uh, North East Echo because that whatever it is yeah. probably would have quite a lot They'd of have something to say, headlines yeah. but yeah. Other, otherwise it's he didn't get up to a lot okay well uh, I, I, I'm willing to give him ten just for spitting the food out like that. That's, that's awful. It's, it's awful. I'm not sure you can really call it great scandal. No, he spat out food. What? Well, three. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a, a four for scandal because okay. you know we haven't had great scandal from anybody, and he's he's at least done some massacring. He has, but you know the, these the the norm when the Normans come along, we're gonna get some serious. Serious scandal. Serious scandal. Anyway, so especially the Plantagenets, they're yeah. going to be awesome. That's 7 out of 10 for scandal. Incidentally, Odo, he's quite an interesting character in himself. He didn't feature him much, but apparently he fought with Edward the Elder, yeah. actually properly in battle. And he was alongside Athelstan at Brunanburg. Oh, cool. That great battle. And apparently there's a story that he uh, Athelstan lost his sword at one point, and miraculously, Odo produced one for him. Oh, cool. So, yeah, he's a, he's a battling archbishop. He gets his hands yeah. dirty. Yeah. And picks up the bones, runs off with That him. always... Um, that's a, I always like to know how that happens. You're never going to really find out. 
But how? In the heat of a battle, you can... Obviously, he didn't say, excuse me, tap on the shoulder, I've lost my sword. He goes, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> I've got one in my back, you know. Because <laughs> you just uh, take your mind off it for half a second, donk on the head, you're gonna. Yeah. How, how do they, I don't know how anyone survives these battles, because yeah. presumably if you're fighting someone, someone else can just come from the side. Yeah. I don't know how anyone You could be the battle. world's best swordsman, but you just get stabbed in the back. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know. Mm. Anyway, that's it, Scandal, 7 out of 20. Mm. Subjectivity. Is there any improvement on his brother? I'd say no. And if you live in Northumbria or Thetford, it's a lot worse. Because mm, you point. don't really want to be subject to a king who is prone to massacre at the uh, no, slightest the, bit of yeah. insurrection. The slightest, uh, the whiff of tough meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try to be given a particularly tough bit of steak. Oh dear. That's, that's it for that's the Easter 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 um, but other than slaughtering people in the north, it's quite a peaceful time. So as I say, there aren't any battles that he actually has to fight, other yeah. than that initial thing against Eric. So it's generally quite peaceful, there's not a lot going on. And in terms of what they were doing, or what Dunstan was doing, which is the thing, it's largely Dunstan probably does stuff, yeah. they've sort of got a policy of unification and conciliation with people other than those that they blocked, yeah. obviously. So they were really just trying to establish royal authority, hence the the big coronation ceremony. Yeah. And they do sort of achieve that. And in ecclesiastical matters, they also sort of spread Catholic observance, build a few churches, more form of the clergy, etc. So they do a little bit of stuff. Uh, yeah. But that's... He doesn't have long again, does he? No, he's only got nine years. And as we say, for the last few years, he's pretty ill anyway. So not a lot. What do we give his brother? Uh, Edmund, we gave... Uh, we gave ten and a half subjectivity. That's quite generous. But Edmund did a lot of law stuff mm. put in place. So he wasn't there long, but he did actually put laws in place. I don't really have anything for Edred in terms of laws that made his country better. Two. Yeah, it's probably got to be two. Mm. Be four. Four in total for that. I mean, how just... do you... I don't know how you know how you'd get worse. Unless you, unless you actually declared war on your own country. Yeah. Or civil war or... Massacre, proper massacres of everybody. Yeah, a true despot could get worse, but he does nothing enough. Really. No, no. So four out of twenty. Longevity. Awful. Yeah, it's uh, it's a mere nine years. Better than Edmund, who only managed seven. But of course, Edmund did at least. He did stuff. Get that killed time. and yeah. do stuff. <laughs> he did at least get killed. Yeah. He just, just, just dies. Yeah. yeah. So only thirty-two, nine years. That's not going to win much. Mm. He's not looking at a good score here. Not good. Dynasty, not the program. He uh, he doesn't have, he doesn't marry, and he doesn't have any children. And as we said, what with the whole yeah. food thing, probably yeah. probably for the best. Probably for the best. Yeah, yeah. that would have been an unpleasant. It's <laughs> a big zero, like his dad. Big fat zero, like Apple's dad. So. Yeah. That's not a, uh, a great No, he's score. not looking at big if we numbers. tally that up for old Edred, 28.5, which is our lowest score yet, I'm afraid. Well, so, that's it for all of the, uh, the little factors. But, of course, we here's have the big one. final thing. Does he have that certain something? It's the Rex Factor. Absolutely not. No, I mean, the, the, uh, the balanced approach here would be to try and do a... Uh, pros and cons, yes and no, but... It's just clear. It's clear. I mean, the only thing going for him is that he does come up against the most formidable Viking of the period and swaps him away. 
But then again, maybe Eric's uh, reputation is purely based on having a cool name because he got kicked out by his kid brother in Norway, kicked out of the Orkneys, kicked out of York twice. Yeah. He's, he's maybe just not quite as good as he looks. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it's all presentation. It's all, there's no substance there. Yeah. Because the true, you know, Vikings were the, were the, the business. Mm. And the, well, as we've seen earlier, they had caused devastation. And this guy just seems to turn up, get made king and fail. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly, not, yeah, not really. Time after time, he's a jack of all trades, master of none. He's what pirate? Yeah, holiday wreck in Spain. Yeah. Awful. Yeah, good for club eighteen to thirty, I imagine. So in he would be he'd do awesome well. at that. Yeah, but as a king, not so much. Yeah, as a and, like a downing boot. And for Edred, consequently, if that's his one real thing, not it's not good, good enough. Not so good. So that's a no. Yeah. On the Rex well, at least I've heard of him now. But at least you know who he is. Yeah. And, you know, he's a bit interesting with his whole food thing. <laughs> yeah. But no, no Rex Factor for King Edred. So that's it for yeah. our now. Uh, next time, we'll be going back to the children of Edmund I and Edwig. Or Edwy. I can't wait till we have a William. <laughs> You're going to have to. Uh. Uh, that's it. Thanks for listening again. Cheers. All right. Goodbye. Bye.